This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The reason I'm prepared for this position is because I've been preparing for this all my life. Our goal is to compete and, and really put a fun team on the court that really gets after it. T-minus 15 seconds, guidance is internal. We're very talented. I mean, we go out there and compete at a high level and give a lot of effort, we could be a good team. Six, five, four, three, two, one. Stop me if you've heard this one before. The Rockets go down big, fight their way back into the game, but ultimately lose to the Indiana Pacers 132-124, dropping to 14-41 and on the season. What is up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. Today's episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join myself and the Athletics' Ali Kambijani each week live Tuesday night, 9 p.m. to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way that we talk sports. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and partner at Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Lockdown Rockets, as well as at Apollo HOU. So the Rockets have yet another game where they go down by as many as, what was it, 22 in this one? And seemingly still, you know, they find a way. It's it's tale of two halves, which I guess just continually happens with this Rockets team where they don't come out with the right energy, the right mentality, the right effort level in the first half. Now, granted, I will say in this one, their offense was not bad like throughout like throughout the entirety of the game the offense was largely kind of fine um they were putting up more than enough points to win this game they just weren't giving the effort that they needed defensively now by the end of the game you know just final final stat tallies and everything they could have shot better from behind the arc just at first glance they shot 10 of 34 from 3 as a team just 29.4% but they did manage to shoot 81.8% from the charity stripe and 46.2% from the floor in general they had 74 points in the paint that's a pretty successful evening but the Pacers, on the other hand, managed to walk away shooting 41.7% from behind the arc, 15 of 36 overall from behind the arc for them, uh, in large part due to the fact that Jeremy Lamb came off the bench, Jeremy Lamb revenge game, came off the bench, had 18 points, uh, shot 7 of 10 from the floor. He was a big spark off the Pacers bench, but... I think Steven, like, so we, we've seen, like, happy Steven Silas. We've seen, like, dejected and upset Steven Silas. And after this game, we got, like, angry Steven Silas. He was pissed, and rightfully so, because this Rockets team continues to do this thing where they fall behind big, and then they realize, oh, we're an NBA basketball team. Maybe we should try a little bit harder. And then they pick up the pace, they pick up the effort, the intensity, they start doing all the little things that matter, but they do it too late. They do it in the second half, they're not doing it from the jump. So let's hear what Steven Silas had to say after this one. Yeah, it's, it's the effort. The schemes, it's not the whatever, it's the effort. 
it's not surprising because we have competitive a competitive group, but it takes them to be behind the eight ball in order for them to um, put forth the effort needed. I mean, the, the difference between the beginning of the game and the third quarter, every for the last however many games, it, it's not it's not even close. It's not even close. I mean, you can see it. I can see it. Everybody who watches the game can see it. It's just not good. Ali Kambajani. I know it seems like we've asked you several times these last few games, but what, what can be done uh, to ensure that the way you guys came out in the third quarter is the same way that you start the game off the court? Continuing to continuing to get on the guys about it, continue to tell them about it. Um, we got to learn from it. And uh, I'm not one to shy away from it. We got to do better. So we're going to just keep hammering, keep uh, letting them know. Steven Silas upset and rightfully so. Look, this was a game where the Rockets never led. Indiana led the entire time. Zero, zero ties, zero lead changes in this one. Um, I mean, the, it's a team that led by as many as 22 points. The The Rockets had uh, 15 turnovers. The Pacers scored 17 points off those 15 turnovers. Defensively, the Rockets did manage to contain the Pacers to just nine fast break points, which I guess is somewhat of a silver lining for the team in the NBA that leads the association in fast break scoring. So after... Uh, they gave up, what was it, 27 fast break points to the Warriors less than a week ago. It's kind of nice that they were able to uh, fix that issue on the court, but there were other issues out there defensively for this team, you know, the wrong rotations, stuff like that. We'll dive into that a little bit more in segments two and three, but just to go over some of the uh, box score numbers for the Rockets, uh, John Wall walked away the high point man for the Rockets with 31, but it was on 12 of 28 shooting. Uh, he was great inside the arc. Uh, outside the arc, he was 0 for, 0 for 7. Uh, 7 of 9 at the free throw line, did have 3 rebounds, had 9 assists, had a steal, had a couple blocks, and only 3 turnovers, but he continues to willingly launch the 3 ball at a higher clip than he probably should. You know, it makes sense for Wall to take, you know, the occasional wide open 3 pointer to keep defenses honest, but... There's no reason for him to be taking contested threes with a hand in his face or dribbling out the shot clock 3-2-1 and then launching a three as a last-minute shot opportunity. Those are just some of the worst offensive possessions that this Rockets team has when it's a, a late contested or late in the shot clock contested three-pointer by John Wall. Christian Wood walks away with 25 points, 13 rebounds, uh, six of which were offensive. Christian Wood was very active in this game. I give him that. Uh, two assists, had a steal, had three blocks. He was active on both sides, both on the offensive glass, uh, you know, for second chance opportunities, as well as defensively, um, really being active on that side of the basketball. 11 of 21 from the floor, two of four from behind the three point lane. A really solid. 
all-around performance for Christian Wood. Uh, Kelly Olenek walks away 25 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, 3 steals, 1 block, 10 of 16 shooting, 3 of 5 from behind the 3-point line. Uh, really, the, the Rockets' entire starting unit, Kevin Porter Jr. pouring in 19 points, 5 boards, 3 assists, and then Jay Sean Tate doing a little bit of everything as per usual, 11 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, 2 steals, uh, some excellent defense on Sabonis that we'll talk about a little bit later. I mean, the entire starting lineup for the Rockets really did an incredible job in this game. It was the bench unit that unfortunately dropped the ball significantly. And look, David Nwaba has been out for a while. No DJ Augustine. Now no Sterling Brown. Like this Rockets team is a team that's been devastated by injuries. And when Look, no no disrespect to Armani Brooks. I think he's incredible, and I'm excited to see how he grows with this team. But when Armani Brooks is your high point man off the bench in only his second NBA game where he's actually scored a bucket, like there's something wrong with your bench unit. And so the Rockets bench unit did not produce what it needed to in this one. K.J. Martin uh, didn't score a single bucket, was 0 for 4 in, in his four attempts. Uh, DJ Wilson had a bit of a rough game offensively, uh, didn't even, didn't even pick up a single rebound in his five minutes of run and compared to the Pacers bench, the Rockets bench was outscored 48 to 13 by the Pacers bench. Like that's just a ridiculous bench scoring disparity. Uh, and that, that was really the game. Like the starters for the Rockets played well enough to win this game, but the Pacers bench completely outplayed the Rockets bench, and we'll hear John Wall talk about this in a moment. Um, you know, it's talking about the the kind of heavy minutes load and stuff like that. Because you look down the lineup, the Pacers, the 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 guy who played the most minutes for the Pacers uh, was Justin Holiday at 38 minutes, and then you go Sabonis at 37. The next guy 34, 30. Uh, 21, like, you know, a, a decent minutes distribution across the entire lineup for the Pacers, whereas the Rockets, the entire starting lineup, everybody played heavy minutes, 41, 38, 35, 37, 36, just heavy minute distribution for the starters because the the bench unit just doesn't, doesn't have a lot of depth currently, unfortunately. So we'll hear more about that from John Wall. We'll also hear from Kelly Olenek talking about Steven Silas's style of coaching here in just a moment after a message from our friends over at rockauto.com. Look, chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, whereas rockauto.com's prices are the exact same for everybody, and they're always reliably low. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest possible prices rather than changing their prices around based on what the market will bear, kind of like what airlines do. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even brand new carpet. So whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything that you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Their catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices that you prefer. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And be sure, this is a really important part, be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. 
And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Did you know that you can get more of the sports news that you need in less time with our new Locked on Today podcast? Peter Bukowski hosts Locked on Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news that you need in just under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked on Today wherever you get your podcasts. Continuing on here, talking about the Rockets 132-124 loss against the Indiana Pacers, uh, dropping them to 14 and 41 on the season, which, hey, it's a loss, which means, you know what? We've got a tankathon spin coming up in our third segment. But first, let's hear from John Wall and his reaction to the Rockets kind of slow starts and, and you know, how this game, how this game went. The only reason why we played the way we do in the second half when we're down 30 or 40 points is a lot of pride. I mean, you don't want to get beat by 100. And um, like I said before, I said uh, we're a young team, a very young team with a couple of veterans. That the most important thing we should do is play hard for 48 minutes. Um, a lot of us is in a position where we probably wouldn't play this many minutes or even get opportunity on a lot of other teams in this league. So you have to take full advantage of that. And uh, there's no disrespect to anybody, but you know we have to look ourselves in the mirror and understand that the the game that we love to play. If you do love to play this, the two most important thing is to play hard for 48 minutes. I mean, that's the most important thing is enjoy the game and play hard. If we can't do that, then you're blown to be on the floor or blown to be in the NBA. Some strong words there from John Wall. And I genuinely don't like, it sounds kind of like he's subtweeting somebody. And I don't, I don't know who is the problem. Like, I don't know. I don't know who he would be subtweeting out on the court. Cause like, I get the effort side of things. I do, you know, but saying, you know, you don't belong in the NBA, like that's, you know, those are some heavy words for, for John Wall, for the supposed leader of this team. And I say supposed, I mean, he is the leader of this Rockets team. He's the leader of this young group of guys. And he said it himself, you know, it's a, it's a young group of guys. They've only got a few veterans and, you know, it's, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss for, how talented this team is, but why they choose. And, and so is Steven Silas, and so is John Wall. Everybody's confused. Nobody knows what the hell is going on. But I'm at a loss for how talented this team is, but they only choose to unlock that talent when they're, like Steven Silas said, behind the eight ball. When they're uh, down big, second half, they realize, oh, well, we should actually like start trying now. And I don't know what needs to happen to change that mentality to start the games because this team is ridiculously talented. Like we've seen that we've seen the stretches. We've seen when this team looks really, really good. We saw um, some great plays, you know, into the third beginning of the fourth where the ball movement looked really nice, where they were actively defending, making the right rotations, all of that. Like, I think the, I think a really beautiful, (laughs) depending on your term of beautiful, uh, encapsulation of this game was there was a possession where the Rockets, the rotations were 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 perfect. They were they everybody was rotating, everybody was moving their feet. Uh, they were they were running the paces off the three point line. They were forcing the pass to the next to the next offensive player, and they they forced the ball like they got a tip right or something and knocked the ball out of bounds, and. So great defense for like 20-something seconds, right? And there was a few seconds left on the shot clock. And so after after an amazing defensive sequence, 
the Rockets gave up a layup at the rim because they fell asleep on the inbounds play. And it's like, it's moments like that. It's like, great, you're engaged, you're locked in, you're playing incredible defense, the rotations are perfect, nobody's overhelping, everybody's reading, reading and reacting appropriately on the defensive side, awesome, and then you fall asleep at the wheel as soon as the Pacers decide to inbound the ball. And it's like, come on, man. And that, like, a big part of that is discipline. And that's something that you're going to run into. That's something that I've spoken about uh, at length is the discipline level of these younger players and the fact that they're going to have these lapses, right? These lapses in focus or in effort. And, you know, it's working past that. And that's a mental thing. That's not that's not a physical thing. That's not, I, I you know, because there's a difference between the mental lapses we're seeing on the court and the team just physically being exhausted from playing too many minutes, which is a, could also be a side effect. I mean, like, we got to face it. This team has consistently played uh, five games in seven nights. How many weeks, like, alternating weeks now? Because they go, like, five games in seven nights, then they go three games, and then they go, again, five games in seven nights. Like, the second half of this rocket schedule has been absolutely jam packed. So there's a legit possibility that, you know, all the number of games that they're playing, the frequency of them, the intensity of, you know, elite NBA basketball at this level being played is potentially taking its toll on the team to where they're not starting these games with enough energy, they're not starting with the right mentality and then once they get the adrenaline going, once they're, you know, their their hearts are pounding a little bit, and they don't feel, I guess, mentally as tired, you know, coming into the game, right? You're exhausted. Oh, it's another game. Got to do it again. Got to get up and running. Like, you know, once they're already in the muck of it, that's maybe why the second half is coming a little bit more naturally to this team because they're already, they're past like the mental exhaustion and then they're just embodying the physical exhaust. I don't know. It's there. I'm, I'm over here trying to just come up with some type of explanation because, it's perplexing as to why this team continues to behave this way. Because again, the 14 of 41 record is not indicative of the talent level on this team. It's really not like if I were, if I were to legitimately sit, you know, sit here and try to evaluate this team, I'd say that, you know, given the ridiculous number of injuries and all the stuff that this team has been played with this season, this team is probably more so on par talent-wise with the Pacers team that just beat them than they are with the other teams at the bottom of the conference, like the Timberwolves, or not conference, bottom of the league, like the Timberwolves and the Pistons and the Magic. Like, this Rockets team is talented. They've got great players on the team. They just haven't been able to piece it together consistently over a 48-minute basketball game, uh, and then they haven't been able to piece anything together remotely close to anything together uh, over a stretch of games since the the stretch where they won seven out of eight games and we legit thought that there was going to be hopes that this team might make the playoffs. So I'm befuddled. I'm just going to, you know what? I just need to bust out a, a thesaurus next time and I'm just going to have like, or I'm going to have like Merriam-Webster's like open as one of my like 17 million tabs and I'm just going to keep throwing out different synonyms uh, for my bewilderment. There's another one. I love it. I'm just going to keep getting creative. I don't even have the source open yet. Um, as to how this team continues to manage to go down 20 plus 
and then dig their way back into this game or back into these games because I get it. There's a pride perspective there. Um, but yeah, it's it's tough to understand. But let's let's hear what Kelly Olynyk has to say about Steven Silas because he did have some encouraging words about uh, about his new head coach. So let's hear what he had to say. I've been blessed to you know, be in this league for eight years and play for you know three great coaches. And um, you know you do see similarities in um, you know the way that they they operate and you know the you know the way that they they draw plays and and try to. You know, take advantage of certain situations. Um, you know, obviously everybody has their own, you know, kind of unique, you know, way of going about things and, and style and game plans. Um, but you know, I think he he does a good job and he adjusts on the fly. Um, you know, depending on you know what's going on, who's out there, um, what's working, what's not working. And um, you know, I think one one of his strengths is, you know, he never gets too high, never gets too low. And that was something that you know Brad Stevens used to tell us in Boston and. Um, you know, I think, I think that's something that's, that's really good. And I know keeping even keel and making sure that, you know, you're not overreacting to things, but you know, you're making adjustments and, and doing, you know, what you can to, you know, to help your team win. High praise coming from Kelly Olenek for Steven Silas. Uh, Kelly Olenek, you know, a guy who's played now for uh, Brad Stevens and Eric Spolstra. So two other, you know, amazing coaches in this NBA. So that's, you know, again, great, great words, great things to hear from Kelly Olenek. So coming up, let's, I want to talk, spend some time focusing on Jay Sean Tate as well as Armani Brooks uh, before we get to our our tankathon spin. And we'll get there in a quick moment after a message from our friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA is going strong. Playoffs right around the corner. Not so much for your Houston Rockets, unfortunately, but for the rest of the league. Uh, NHL and MLB are going on as well. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's totally free to sign up. So head over to the website or use your... uh, uh, you can use your phone, tablet, whatever, and sign up using promo code Locked On. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, that's a 50% welcome bonus when you use promo code Locked On at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Did you know that you can get more analysis on the top prospects in this year's NBA draft with the Locked on NBA draft podcast? Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Locked on NBA Draft. We're actually going to have Richard from over at Locked on NBA Draft coming on to the show starting next week. We're going to become best friends with Richard and there's going to be, there's a little there's a little secret about Richard that you guys aren't, maybe aren't going to be super happy about, but Bear with me. He knows his stuff when it comes to, you know, being a being a credential draft expert. And I want to bring in an expert to help kind of break down uh, some of these top prospects. And we're also going to get to hear from some of the other guys that are part of that podcast. But uh, I will divulge uh, Richard's secret uh, next week when we bring him on the show. But let's focus now. Jay Sean Tate, Armani Brooks. So... Haven't decided who I want to start with. I want to start with Armani Brooks first. Let's go with Brooks. So first off, 
another, you know, saw in, you know, given the the amount of time that he's been on the court in this game, just 14 minutes, hit another couple threes for Armani. He does not waste any time in getting shots up. He's he's the antithesis of Mason Jones, right? Mason Jones let his confidence get the best of him and you know, didn't seemingly have the ability to create his own shot almost. And Armani Brooks already demonstrated against the Suns that he's more than capable of putting, you know, taking a quick bounce and creating that separation on a step back and then rising up and drilling a three-pointer. Or he could just, you know, continue shooting from the logo like he did against the Suns. Um, But he has no hesitation in his shot. And that's what you have to do. When you're a three-point shooter, when you're out there, because you are a quality shooter, you have to get shots up. Um, He's also no slouch defensively. He's 6'3", but he's got a long wingspan. um, And he comes from the University of Houston, so he's from the Kelvin Sampson program. So defense is preached heavily to the Cougars. So Armani is no slouch on that end as well. He's got good defensive instincts, good defensive IQ. Um, And in this game, I want to talk about this one specific play where he actually drilled his second three-pointer of the game. And it was, the the Rockets were doing a good job. It it started off in transition, so the Rockets got out in transition. Uh, they pushed the pace, and then it started with Armani, who caught the ball uh, after it was kicked up the court, right at about the three-point line, kind of pump faked a three, kicked it to the corner, then the corner kicked it cross-court, then they passed the ball, you know, kind of around the horn. Basically, it was just a really great play with tons of ball movement, where they had the Pacers' defense scattered, um, the, the, they were, you know, clamoring to try and and recover defensively from transition, and they just couldn't, and it ultimately culminated in a wide-open three-pointer for none other than himself, Armani Brooks. So it's plays like that where the Rockets really move the ball, and they don't just do the isolation song and dance with John Wall, um, where they don't just rely on a quick pick-and-roll action. It's where they get multiple sets of hands involved, where they get multiple dribble drive opportunities, um, where they really get the Pacers or just opposing defenses scattered and moving around to where then they're able to create that quality opportunity. Um, And that's a require like that requires everybody to understand how to make the next pass, how to make the right read. Um, For example, there was a play earlier this game from DJ Wilson where he drove the ball in. Uh, I apologize. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. drove the ball in, uh, drew in two defenders, kicked the ball back out to DJ Wilson, who had a wide open three, pump faked the wide open three, drove the ball in, and sucked in another defender from the corner, who was actually the defender for KJ Martin. And instead of kicking the ball out to the wide open three pointer in the corner, which would have been for KJ Martin, DJ Wilson attempted some like wonky, like I don't know, like floater sort of, he made the shot, one, he made the shot way harder than he needed to, Um, and then two, it was just, he had a better shot elsewhere, and that's what is going to be hard for some of these players to learn, And, and this is, you know, just kind of, it falls into the category of, you know, reading and reacting to the defense, but learning to pass up an okay shot or a good shot for a great shot, and so that first play that I kind of rehashed where Armani Brooks got a wide open three-pointer that was passing up multiple good shots for a great shot and the great teams the elite teams are the teams that do that they're the teams that make the right reads make those extra passes and they consistently pass up good shots in favor of great shots um 
And whereas that moment, right, DJ Wilson, sure, he got a shot right at the rim. It wasn't a super quality shot. He had two hands in his face. He had multiple defenders around him. And it was kind of a weird looking shot to begin with because he, you know, took off off the wrong leg and it wasn't quite like a teardrop or a floater, but it was just, it was just weird. Um, so it's learning to make sure you survey the court and, and all that. I'm not expecting everybody on the roster to suddenly become an elite playmaker. That's not what I'm talking about. It's just making the right reads. That's all. Um, Let's talk Jay Sean Tate for a second because, God, I just can't ever get enough Jay Sean Tate. He's so good. Like, just ridiculously good, right? So, there's a couple plays that stand out from this game that I want to highlight. And so, first off, I guess we'll start with the one specific play and then the broad spectrum of it is um, Jay Sean Tate had this one play where he rebounded the ball offensively. So he had five offensive rebounds in this game. Of his six rebounds, five of them were offensive, which is just insane to think about. Like, the Rockets were actually really active on the glass in this game offensively between Jay Sean Tate and Christian Wood. And K.J. Martin had a couple offensive rebounds as well. But Jay Sean Tate had a, a, a play where he not only secured the offensive rebound, but then a cutting Christian Wood like read the play beautifully or read the the spacing offensively beautifully cut towards the basket and then Jay Sean just so casually dished it off to Christian Wood who then laid it in for an easy two right at the rim. So opportunities like that don't happen if you don't get the hustle from Jay Sean Tate. Um, you know, being able to be out there and be that that guy who does the dirty work, who does a little bit of everything on the floor for this Rockets team. And speaking of doing a little bit of everything, he was animated he was hyped up about defending Demonis Sabonis in this game and there was that play where he forced Sabonis out of bounds I, I threw it up on my Twitter feed um and he was I mean you could see he was pumping his fist afterwards he was riled up and from the start of that play Sabonis had the ball like well outside of the three-point line to start the play as the as the pacer were setting things up and Jay Sean Tate was his chest was in Sabonis's chest like he was playing he was you know inside Sabonis's jersey basically for the entirety of that possession and multiple possessions in this game and that just shows like the mentality of Jay Sean Tate like he's not gonna back down from anybody Sabonis like towers over Jay Sean Tate and Sabonis is like equally is jacked, right? Like, Jay Sean Tate is 6'4", and he's jacked, so he looks huge. Like, Jay Sean Tate makes K.J. Martin look small, and K.J. Martin's like a solid three or four inches taller than Tate is. So, and Jay Sean Tate's going up against Sabonis, who is equally jacked, but he's like 6'10", 6'11", and he's just bodying the hell out of him, so much so that he forces Sabonis out of bounds. And there was another play earlier in the game where Sabonis caught the ball in the post against Jay Sean Tate. And I don't think he was expecting this because Jay Sean just like threw his chest directly into Sabonis and forced him like two to three feet outside of the paint earlier in this game. And it was just, it's just funny to see how the NBA hasn't quite taken notice yet of Jay Sean Tate, how they're just, they're still surprised. Like they're not reading the scouting report or they didn't quite get the memo about him. Um, and I think Sabonis kind of took it a little bit personally because he was just shocked. Like after he was forced out of bounds, he was complaining to the ref and, you know, he I looking for a foul call, I guess, but Jay Sean Tate didn't foul him anywhere. He just bodied him out of bounds. So it's just another, another instance of Jay Sean Tate being a really solid, really multifaceted defender. The fact that he can not only contain 
uh, guards on the perimeter and dribble penetration, but the fact that you can slot him down low against bigs and he can use that size of his as well as leverage and just good defensive instincts to you know, force a player like Sabonis to get uncomfortable, to have to kick the ball out or to be forced out of bounds. Um, so just want to highlight Jay Sean Tate and his continued consistency with his play, which was something that Ali Khan Bijani and I talked about, that you could maybe make the argument that Jay Sean Tate has been the most consistent player for the Rockets this year. He's obviously been the only Rocket who's played in every single game so far this season, but he's probably been the most consistent, the least uh, up and down games so far this year because he consistently just tucks his head down, does his job on a nightly basis. And before I actually get to the Tankathon sim, uh, there was another point that I wanted to bring up. Ali Kambijani and I highlighted the fact that KJ Martin has been playing a little bit of the small forward position, uh, that the Rockets are kind of experimenting with him there, seeing if that's a position that they can have him play in the future. And guess what we saw in this game against the Pacers? Uh, we saw K.J. Martin out there at the same time as Kelly Olynyk and Christian Wood, and I think for a brief stint, uh, Kelly Olynyk and D.J. Wilson. So K.J. Martin was playing the three spot in this game, like Ali Kambijani and I highlighted. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how much more that happens, how much more Steven Silas experiments with these lineups, what he sees, what he likes, what he doesn't like. But I just wanted to highlight that and point that little tidbit out. But that brings us to our Tankathon spin of the day. Hopefully it's better than the spins that my channel coordinator has been doing over at the official Locked On NBA podcast Twitter account because the last like two or three of those, the Rockets have lost their pick, which is super disappointing. So let's go ahead and run these numbers and see where the Rockets fall today. Oh, God, I'm bad at this. All right, well, I'm so terribly sorry. The Sacramento Kings managed to jump up eight spaces to the number one overall pick, which means they're obviously not drafting Cade Cunningham. They're definitely going to trade down and draft, uh, who are they going to draft? Suggs, I guess. Yeah, because they, you know, Mobley, all that good stuff. Uh, Minnesota retains their pick at number two overall. Detroit stays at number three overall. The Orlando Magic come away with the fourth overall pick. And the Houston Rockets fall to number five, therefore conveying their pick to the Oklahoma City Thunder. And OKC walks away with pick number six. So maybe OKC packages picks number five and six and tries to trade up somewhere in the draft. But an unfortunate spin for today's episode of Locked on Rockets, but that is going to do it. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. We will be having our very next episode is going to be another Fan Talk Friday edition episode. We've got some great topics lined up, so don't want to miss that. Be sure to check it out. Reminder to be sure to check out Ali Kambijani and myself each week, Tuesday night, 9 p.m. live on the Locker Room app. Don't want to miss out on those. But for today's episode, that is going to do it. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.